you have taken the first step toward finding the truth, the one thing we all are seeking. Join me, Ethan Bridges, the host of Conspiracy Me, almost every week, as I research and discuss different conspiracy theories from the conspiracy theory iceberg. Follow the White Rabbit, and remember the number 17. Be careful, and don't say I didn't warn you. Welcome to the world of Conspiracy Me. I'm Ethan Bridges, your host and guide along the multifaceted conspiracy theory iceberg. Follow the white rabbit down the rabbit hole, and don't lose your head along the way. Be careful, and don't say I didn't warn you. Walking down the street at night is a good way to have your life ended, and for you to become unalive. Especially for women who have the incessant fear of being followed by an unwanted stranger who dances with the devil. Buckle up. This content warning will slash you without warning. Be careful and keep the eyes in the back of your head open and alert. Be careful and don't say I didn't warn you. Let's sit back and visualize London in the year of 1888, and at the end of the month of August. Someone slayed two unsuspecting prostitutes in two separate events over the course of a week. And within months, many women were killed up until November of that same year. The plateau of the murder stopped, and didn't begin to rise until the year 1891, Whitechapel seems to be the setting for a Sherlock Holmes mystery, and I wonder if there is some canonic reason behind it. There was a serial killer among us, but no one knew who he was. The constables at the time began to call the killer Jack the Ripper because of the unusual way he murdered these women. The women were found being slit from nape to navel as if they were being ripped. But at the end of it all, eleven murders went unsolved, and those still on the hunt for Jack the Ripper are known as Ripperologists. This age-old case has 300 suspects, all of whom could be potentially the killer. Jack the Ripper and his slew of murdering working-class women has haunted the public for years. Centuries, in fact. Was it the work of just one person or a multiple maniac situation? Was it the ultimate hunter-versus-hunted game where humans hunt other humans? Or does it all just come down to the concept of police killing 19th century sex workers because of moral righteousness? Or was it Sir Arthur Conan Doyle playing out his own detective fantasies trying to commit the perfect murder? Or was it all just happenstance? During the time of the killings, criminology was yet a thing. Criminology and the scientific method forensics used today were not available to them quite yet. This mirrors almost the same progression of the Sherlock Holmes novels and how the pinnacle detective would use different methods of science to solve the murder. But as years change and we grow and learn as humans, we begin to discover new methods to find the truth. 
While these murders happened in the late 1800s, we have the methods today to try to solve this unsolvable mystery. So how does solving the Jack the Ripper case bring cause to the conspiracy theory iceberg, you may ask? Well, it all comes down to a book written in 1976 by Stephen Knight titled Jack the Ripper, The Final Solution. Knight suggests that there is a solution, and the solution has sparked a great conspiracy theory towards the unidentified serial killer who took the lives of five known victims in the Victorian age of London. When I return, I'll talk more of the book about the serial killer and who Knight says is potentially the true killer. Keep your eyes peeled. Do you like listening to stories about serial killers? Unsolved mysteries? How about a cult or two? And what about those lesser known serial killers? Or how about the legend of a cryptid that will surely keep you up at night? And I know you'll love a good conspiracy theory, because who doesn't? Join me, Kayla, as my co-host Lexi and I tell you stories that will keep you coming back for more on our show, A Little Wicked. You can find A Little Wicked on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Check out our website, alittlewickedpodcast.webador.com, and our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all under, you guessed it, A Little Wicked. We can't wait to tell you our stories. In 1976, Stephen Knight wrote the book detailing a certain royal family's involvement in the London murders taken out by Jack the Ripper. The book became a major hit in the true crime section of many retail bookstores. The book also sparked the idea for a graphic novel as well as a film by the same title, From Hell, starring Johnny Depp, Heather Graham, Ian Holm, and Robbie Coltrane. In the wake of the novel, readers soon discovered exactly what Knight was trying to persuade its readers to agree with, that Prince Albert Victor, grandson of Queen Victoria, was truly a master murderer, and because of his status as prince, cleared him of being accused by the police at the time. But why would a potential heir to the throne be such a heinous killer? Jack the Ripper had a vast knowledge of the human anatomy. The exact precision it took to mutilate these women's bodies took careful consideration. So many people theorize that it could have easily been a butcher or a surgeon. These women's bodies were found in crude display of their innards laid out on the streets. And when the police received letters and postcards from the supposed killer, one half-preserved human kidney was sent in a box signed by the killer himself. But what are the name for this killer? Where does Jack the Ripper come from? From postcards written by the killer, of course. But it is known that the postcards were a hoax, but the name stuck. In 1970, Thomas Stowell, a British surgeon, published in an article in the November issue of the magazine The Criminologist. Stowell theorized that Jack the Ripper must have been an aristocrat that had been driven mad by syphilis and, during a manic phase, conducted the five canonical murders. 
Stal never really told the public who he thought the true murderer was, but in the article he described the supposed murderer's family, and description which could be none other than Prince Albert Victor, Duke of Clarence and Avondale. This second in line to the throne of the British monarchy was restrained by his family in 1888, but he escaped and died of complications to syphilis on November 9, 1888. His syphilis he contracted during his time in the West Indies. Stowell drew his conclusion of Prince Albert from how the bodies were found mutilated and disemboweled compared to how Prince Albert dressed a deer that he had shot once at one of the royal family's estates. Stowell claimed that he had evidence of Albert's syphilis from private records from Sir William Gill, who was the royal physician. But Stowell was gravely mistaken, and the public soon proved Prince Albert Victor's innocence. Gill had died before Albert, and would have never known that the prince died of complications of pneumonia in the year of 1892. Persons affected by syphilis will not see symptoms until 15 years later, and no actual record claims that Prince Albert Victor had syphilis. On November 5th, 1970, Stowell wrote to the Times denying that he implied that Prince Albert Victor was Jack the Ripper. Within that same week of the Times' story, Stowell's son said that he had burned his father's research and stated, and I quote, I read just sufficient to make certain that there was nothing of importance, end quote. While Stowell's claims proved to be false, this ignited even more interest about the unknown serial killer. In 1973, BBC released a new television series titled Jack the Ripper that mainly focused on the Whitechapel murders. In the series, a man named Joseph Gorman, who on the show said his name was Joseph Sickert and claimed to be the illegitimate son of painter Walter Sickert, claimed not only the royal family's involvement of the murders, but a slew of other more famous people as well participated in these gruesome murders. Gorman had also claimed that his mother was the rightful heir to the throne, since she was the legitimate child of Albert Victor. According to Gorman and his story, the murders were staged to be a conspiracy to silence anyone who knew about the birth of his mother. Stephen Knight had been watching the series prior to writing his book in 1976. The royal conspiracy goes as follows. Princess Alexandra introduced her son to Walter Sickert in hopes that Albert Victor would learn to paint. In his studious lessons, the prince met Annie Elizabeth Crook. An affair commenced, and the two secretly married, witnessed by Walter Sickert and Mary Jane Kelly. In the claim, Prince Albert Victor's child, Alice Margaret Crook, was born, and the prince relocated his family to Cleveland Street. In 1888, Queen Victoria and the Prime Minister, Lord Robert Salisbury, discovered the secret marriage and the love child. Salisbury's raided the Cleveland Street apartment for fear the public would discover the child had a Catholic mother and would resort to Great Britain becoming Catholic again after many reigns of being Anglican. Albert Victor was placed under house arrest and the wife, Annie, was forced into the care of Sir William Gill, 
who claimed the girl was too insane to continue life among the public. She apparently died in 1920, after 30 years of being tortured and mistreated. But what of the child? Mary Jane Kelly swept the child away and hid amongst friends, Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, and Elizabeth Stride, to be exact. The brazen women decided to blackmail their government with stout claims that the public would be outraged if they found out what happened to the prince and his beloved wife and child. These women did not realize how much power their government truly had. It backfired, and thus began the Whitechapel murders. The royal family and parliament took charge to bring down any person involved with or those with implications of involvement, enslaved them in the most grotesque way to send a message to those with information, claiming they knew who they were, and they were going to come for them. When the murders stopped, the message was quite clear. They had killed all those involved in an act of love. The Unsolved Mystery will go down in history as a story that sparked the idea for many writers and artists. You may have read or seen something similar to the conspiracy theory. So, be careful when walking down dark streets at night. Be vigilant. You never know who is creeping out in the dark, waiting for their next victim to unzip and slaughter. for listening to Conspiracy Me. Until next time, I'm your host, Ethan Bridges. Be careful and don't say I didn't warn you. This has been an Ebb and Flow production. To contact me, please email me at conspiracymepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at conspiracymepod and check out our website at conspiracymepod.com and give Conspiracy Me a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. For listener support, visit anchor.fm backslash conspiracy dash me backslash support.